Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome in to episode 307 of the Sources Say podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. Today, a very, very, very big and exciting win to break down. Kentucky gets it done against the Mississippi State Bulldogs, 90-77. to Jack Pilgrim here joined by Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how the heck are you? I'm fantastic, Jack Pilgrim. How are you today? I'm good. I'm glad that we're we're back on on track. The momentum is is back in full swing after um, in a, a letdown performance down in College Station, especially on the defensive end. We talked uh, extensively last show about um, just rebounding and defense not being where it needed to be. And I thought for 33 minutes of Kentucky's win uh, against Mississippi State at Rupp Arena, I thought they were excellent on both ends. I, I think. Uh, this was a top 10 defense entering the matchup that, I mean, just hadn't allowed anybody to score a ton of points. I think uh, if my math is correct, they hadn't allowed the, the program as a whole hadn't allowed 90 points in a game dating back to February of 2021. And uh, obviously Chris Jans uh, hasn't allowed that many in his entire uh, tenure there at Mississippi state. So they are very proud of that defense and, uh, you were there at the press conference afterward. You could see that there was kind of a sense of like, I don't know what we just saw with with, with Chris Jan saying, you know, oh, I had to have a heart to heart with him at halftime and say, this ain't Mississippi State basketball. But I also think part of it is because uh, Kentucky's offense just is that deadly. It doesn't matter if who the defense is or what they look like or what the personnel is. They're going to get 90 on you. And Cal didn't entirely dismiss like the defensive issues and things that they had at College Station, but he keep he keeps and continues to talk about, about all things that they did and like how in the world did we lose that game? And last night, Coach Jans looked like, like a coach that was sitting there defeated with what did we just have to try to defend for forty minutes? And we even mixed in a fourteen to two run to start the second half, and it still the, the gap was still there. And if you take that thing out, Kentucky just completely just kicked Mississippi State's butt for an entire 40 minutes. They they hit some threes early, but then Kentucky started settling in, Jack. And I thought it was the most complete win of the season. You and I talked about that last night as the game was winding down. And from beginning to end, I, I, I certainly think it was. And this team just can come at you in so many different ways. And there were a, there were. There's a lot of good too, like Aaron Bradshaw bouncing back and having the spurt that he had last night, diving on the floor. Like there was one play that I don't even think it was necessary for him to dive on the floor, and he still got on the floor. And that was showing, like, I want to fight. I'm going to do what it takes to get minutes in play here. Trey Mitchell had a very efficient night. Antonio Reeves hitting shots again. Rob Dillingham and Reed Shepard off the bench. DJ Wagner did his thing. The balance that Kentucky plays with in a number of areas, it's balanced with assists, it's balanced with rebounds, it's balanced with scoring, it's balanced with guys that can can make big plays in big moments. Kentucky's balance overall, Jack, I, I think it's just so much for these teams to overcome. And that was a really, really good win last night against a team that had just beaten Tennessee a week ago. 
there were, was so much frustration, Sean, with some fan with some of the fans about the 14-2 run to start the second half. Obviously, I get it. It, it was unacceptable. Cal was that was the first thing that he brought up after the game ended. Said, "If you aren't going to defend, I will take you out of the game and find somebody who will." I respect that mentality and that approach because we have dudes on the bench that are going to fight. And in that, um, he kept going back to. It doesn't matter who we have out on the floor offensively. They're all going to score. They're all going to pass. They're all going to shoot. We don't care about that anymore. We know that this group is capable of, I mean, 15 of 16 games this season, this team has scored 81 points. The only outlier was that stupid freaking UNC Wilmington game. Every other game they've hit the 81 point mark. That's never been done in Kentucky basketball history. So Cal knows what this group is offensively. It's, we just got to we we know we can outscore teams, but we can't. We also have to ensure that they don't outscore us. Like we have to, as we have said extensively, ad nauseum. We just have to be okay on the defensive end. They don't have to ever be great because this is an elite, elite, elite offensive group. Now the number one offense in college basketball. It just has to hold down the fort on the other end of the floor to allow for a twenty point win. It's what it should have been. In 33 minutes, Sean, outside of that first three-minute segment in the second half, in the last four minutes, Kentucky outscored Mississippi State by 30 points. That's what this team is capable of doing when they're locked in on the defensive end and continue to do what they do on the offensive end. That's what this team should be long-term. The biggest thing with this team is not much a defensive stop as it is grabbing rebounds. And I think that that's the thing that that has to happen for this team at some point, and and they'll get there, is – become an elite defensive rebounding team because you're going to force some missed shots. You just can't give up second opportunities. And shots for this team is transition starters for Kentucky. That's the elite category. Be okay and be above average defensively, but be elite at rebounding on the defensive end of the floor. You could put that combination together with the way that this team can run in transition and get offense. Then I think it becomes a team that when it gets the NCAA tournament time, that I just don't know how you beat them. You you actually do have to truly them and score 90 plus. And that's a lot of pressure because then possessions become possessions. You're like, man, if we go on a stretch here where Kentucky goes on a 12-2 run, that may be too much to overcome. I mean, look at last night, Mississippi State, 14-2 run to start the second half. It still wasn't even close enough to, to even really threaten Kentucky. So things like that, when you just look at the margin – The margin for error in the past few years for Kentucky has been razor thin for them to win games against good opponents. It's not the case this year. Like It took A&M doing a lot to really – to even get that thing in overtime and win it in College Station a week ago. Like Kentucky still did a lot of good, but A&M did a lot as well. Like it it took a, a, a complete effort. That's the way you beat Kentucky. And I don't know if there's many teams in college basketball that can put together complete efforts while Kentucky doesn't put together complete effort. And that's why I appreciate Cal after the game saying you told on yourself. Yes. It's great to see this team lock in defensively and what that looks like on that end. But now I know you can do it. I know we can guard. So any excuse from here on out is, is out the door. Like we've seen this team lock in and and remain engaged and what it looks like when the you know when when the the sea level rises because the offense is already there and and 
when one you see one guy make a defensive stop, it kind of feels like everybody's like, all right, well, if he can do it, then I can. And if, if he's doing it, then why can't I? So it's that joint mindset. And that's why I think it's never been about who they are physically on the defense. I don't think they're physically limited on the defensive end. I think it's all up here. It's it's all just being engaged in a in a proper mindset. So uh, I I loved what we saw. It should have been a bigger blowout and have you had you taken out the first three minutes and the last four minutes of the game uh, of the second half. I you know I, I think this was going to be a 20, 25, 30 point win against again a top 10 defense. I love Cal opening his press conference saying they're, they're a top 10 defense, right? And how many did we get? Not 90 points? Huh. Wow, 90 points. Uh, and then uh, talking about defense, saying that they spent basically the minute they got back from College Station working on pick and roll defense, figuring things out on that. And he said, it worked. I liked what we saw. Now we're going to become locked in on that and become a lead at it and everything. It, it was a it was a level of confidence in that opening statement where it was like, this win was pretty significant. They're not a quad one yet. They're right on the cusp of like 34 right now in the net, but they're going to get there. They could, they very well could get there. Uh, and Cal, I think is confident knowing what they were able to do for the majority of the game against what will end up being a pretty solid NCAA tournament team. For sure. And in the Ken Palm numbers, Mississippi state took a hit. So they fell to 18th and adjusted D now it's at 16. That's a, that's a pretty big hit for one game. And then Kentucky, I know, fell to 60th and adjusted D. But when you look at it, Jack, Washington's team I was looking at last night, I just picked out a random team ahead of Kentucky and Ken Palm, and they were 10 spots ahead of Kentucky and adjusted D. And their point differential went from 99-0 to 99-1, and they fell four spots last night. It's like there's a lot of – just the margin there, it fluctuates a lot. That's why I want to look at this overall picture here when we get into February and see how they're defending over a five, six, seven game stretch. Well, the numbers are a short sample, not as much the overall sample, because there's a lot of stuff that Kim Palm throws in there and considers too. Like there's when you, once you suffer through it and stuff and you look at it, I want to see what Kentucky's doing and defending in that final 10 games of the season, get better, get to that stretch. And let's see what the numbers look like then instead of the overall season, let's break this thing down a chunk and see where they're at going in the NCAA tournament. You remember last year, we're talking about the matchup with Providence and their numbers weren't in the last 10, what they were over the course of the season, especially offensively. So that that's the way that I choose to look at teams is I, I want to break it down and look at the final 10 when we get to that point, not as much overall what Ken Palm's telling us because Kentucky to me still is better than 60th and adjusted to D in the country when, when they're doing what they're supposed to do and they're connected and they're in the right spots positionally. What do you want because I, I don't think they're ever going to get top 20. I, I know the, the the number is you want to be top 20 offense and defense. What number are you kind of targeting for this group in, in terms of if, if we could get to – because I think Baylor entered the NCAA tournament in their 2021 run, I think ranked 44th defensively while also being an elite offensive group, and they ended up winning it all. So what is there a number in mind that you want them to kind of, they don't have to be elite, but if they can hit 30, 35, 40, like, is there a number in your mind that you want to see them hit going into March? If the offense is going to be as elite as it is now, then I think getting somewhere between that 25 to 35 number is, would be a, a pretty good spot. And then if, if you get to that, 
So if you're 60th right now and you find a way to climb over the back half of the schedule, then you're not 60th in that stretch. Does that make sense? Because you're, you're climbing. Yep. So then you're defending at a rate that's higher than what your overall number is. That's that's what I'm looking for. So it's not as much the final number of what they end up getting to in Kimpom as it is what they are for that stretch of play and where they start climbing. That's like the offensive numbers right now just continue to go up. I don't know how much higher they can go because the teams that are right there are scoring the ball at a pretty good clip as well. But Kentucky has cemented itself as one of the best offensive teams in college basketball and I think the best transition team in college basketball. Like – when you when you look at it overall, the things that they're doing offensively and the numbers of, of scoring eighty plus points in, in fifteen to sixteen games, I mean, Jack, like we haven't seen anything like this in the John Calipari era. We've not seen like you don't see stuff like this in, in Kentucky basketball. Like this is a well above average generational offensive team and what they're doing. And I know you've got some numbers, and I know the numbers are going to continue to show up for the team. But I still think somewhere between 25 to 35, if they get 25 to 35, then that means they're defending at an elite level for that stretch of play. And that's what I'm looking for. I think that's the recipe. How hilarious is it that Arizona scores 82 in a win and drops in their scoring offense to number two nationally? Now, Kentucky has overtaken them at 90.8 per game. Like, that, that is unfathomable i mean what we're seeing right now like i said we have never seen in 120 ish seasons of kentucky basketball we have never seen an offense like this i mean the numbers it's not just it's not just eye test it's that we have never seen a team hit the 81 point mark in 15 of the team's first 16 games it's never been done at kentucky and this is i mean the winningest program in, in college basketball history we have never seen anything like it and talking to the players after the game Sean it was kind of funny because I, I asked Aaron Bradshaw when you're building this recruiting class when you're a part of the okay I want to play with that guy I like DJ DJ and I have this chemistry we played high school and in, in AAU together I'd, I'd love to be able to continue to the next step with him Ooh, Rob would be fun to play with man we really got to get Antonio Rees back so when he's in the the heat of battle with with building the roster with his his future teammates I was like was this the vision like did you guys really truly be honest be totally honest did you envision this being possible like 90 points a game scoring at all five positions, shooting at all five positions, basketball player, coach speak, all that. W was this really what you envisioned going in? He said, yeah. Like He said, this is what we wanted. This is what we saw from the beginning, thinking that all of us fit together very, very well. I already know I can play with DJ. Rob has been thriving in his own high school and has grown in his own different ways. And we know what Antonio is doing. Like, do you believe him? I don't. I mean, it's it's tough to say anybody could could have ever imagined this offense being as deadly as it is, but it was cool to kind of hear Aaron take a step back and say, yeah, we 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 wanted this to be the the system and style of play and the production. We kind of had this in our heads that this could be what the future looks like. And for them to kind of put that dream into a reality, uh, it's just really cool. And, and you could kind of he kind of had that moment of, huh. It is kind of like what we all dreamed up, and it, it's cool that it, it has surpassed any of my expectations going in.
Okay. <laughs> school school bell or, or, or I was trying to time it, it ever so slightly perfectly. So while you do that, Rupp Arena atmosphere is in, is has been incredible. Huge, huge, huge fan of the way Kentucky fans have uh, you know stepped up and are rallying in big moments of games, and all of that is possible because of our friends at Game Time. Game Time, you never have to worry ever again about whether you're going to get tickets on time. It, it, you know, leading up to the game, as the game is starting, you're sitting on your couch as tip off goes and says, "Damn, I, I really want to be inside Rupp Arena right now." You never have to worry about that with Game Time because. That's what they're here for. You shouldn't have to worry when you're buying last uh, buying tickets to your next big event. Now isn't the time for guesswork with killer last minute deals, all in prices, views from your seat, and their best price guarantee. Game time does all of the hard work for you. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event, even an hour after the game starts. It is the place to find last minute seats, find exclusive flash deals and sponsored deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater. And more, Sean. I know both of us have had incredible experiences with Game Time and just the the how easy it is, the the access, the user uh, accessibility. It, it's 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 almost too easy to get carried away and go, damn, why why would I not buy these tickets to this event right now? And, and the coolest thing about it though is if, if it's a venue that you've never been to before and you're not really aware of what the layout is like, you can see the view from your seats. So if you haven't been to Rupp Arena and you got a seat that maybe you think you like, you can get a look where you would be from there. And you can even move the, the phone around and kind of see what it's like around. So no, I think it's by far the, the best place to, to purchase tickets. And look, the crowd was really good last night for a game that had a lot of weather surrounded by it and some cold temperatures. Got another one coming up Saturday against a, a Georgia team that I think is outperformed expectations. There needs to be people in the seats. And there are tickets on game time. So make sure you, you get to Rupp Arena and, and watch this team score 90-plus. If there's ever been a team to kind of invest in and, and say, I want to witness them in person. Like my wife literally last night was saying, man, I, I really want to go to a game this year. And I was like, well, we we can make that happen. We we got we got the hookup. Let's, let's pick one and figure out which one you want to be a part of because – you you don't want to miss this chance to see again historic numbers, something we've never seen with our own two eyes. Why would you not want to be there with an, a Rupp Arena ice cream in your hand with our friends at Game Time? So make sure you go do that. Buy tickets in seconds with two taps. Uh, I mean, all in prices. So it's not like some of those other apps where you're uh, you think it's the price and you get to the final checkout and it's one hundred and fifty dollars more than you thought it was going to be. Uh, not, there's no time for that nonsense. You know what you're getting a great deal before you check out. Game time guarantee means you will always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less. Game time will credit you 110% of the difference. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code KSR for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code KSR for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Sean, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm antsy. I'm, I'm excited for this Georgia matchup. It's it's one, like you said, they have exceeded most expectations going in. They've really been a tough out for every single team they've they've gone up against. Um, and it's going to be another test. This is Kentucky is getting weathered for the NCAA tournament where every matchup is going to be a rock fight. Like 
there's there there are no gimmies in the NCAA tournament. There's no gimmies in the SEC tournament. It it is going to be a a heavyweight battle every single time out, and uh, you you don't get prepared for that without games like Florida, without games like Texas A and M, without games like Mississippi State, and what we're going to see again on Saturday against Georgia. Sorry, I was pulling up their their numbers actually there. So yeah, like they're they're seventy nine in the net right now. That's a team that, like I said, is outperformed where we thought they would be. And I was talking to someone today about Mike White and the job he's doing there. That when he left Florida to go to Georgia, I didn't really understand, you know, the reasoning behind it. Like, I mean, obviously, I know that, that things weren't great at Florida. They hadn't really lived up to what Florida's basketball expectations been under Billy Donovan, which is it was hard to do. But what he's done at Georgia, it kind of feels like he's at a spot where it's the perfect fit for the way he coaches and the type of rosters he likes to put together. I mean, look, this is a team that had Tennessee right there and probably should have won the game. I mean, I'm talking mm -hmm. nine, ten-point lead with about five minutes to play, just couldn't hang on. Uh, definitely in a spot in the net where I didn't think they'd be a 79. I know that's still a, a, what a quad three, I believe, is what it'll be for Kentucky is what I was looking up a second ago. But it's not – a quad three opponent walking in in your building it's an opponent that's playing really good basketball as of late and it's going to be another test and it's it's one of those things that desperate teams i know that's the word we used after a and m every team this time of year has to play desperate each game is an opportunity but for teams like georgia who are trying to establish something that don't have maybe the respect of a program like kentucky when it comes to a national level you got to go do something that's kind of out of what you have done and going to Rupp Arena and winning. You know, Mike White has put that on the dry race board going into the, to this game on Saturday. Like that, that's a win that if you get Georgia, you start looking at Georgia differently than what they're being looked at now. They're looking at a program that's improving. Look at be looked at as a contender if they come into Rupp Arena and win. On the other side, Kentucky has to be the more desperate team and realize that you got to play hungry. You're going to get everybody's best shot. They did an excellent job with that last night against Mississippi State. Now it's about doing it again on Saturday. And this league, Coach Jans called it unforgiving last night. It is unforgiving. You have to immediately flip and turn the page and go straight to the next one. That's what Kentucky's doing today. That's what Georgia's doing. I'm interested to see what the opening line will be for this one. Kentucky's the better team. I, I want to see Kentucky come out and make a statement, but I, I do think that this is a Georgia team coming in here with some confidence that I didn't expect them to have when I looked at this schedule even just a few weeks ago. But they've, they've built some confidence in league play and on the road. Yeah, that, that's true. I think Cal singled that out and said Georgia has not lost on the road yet. They're going to come in and be that hungry, ready-to-punch-you-in-the-mouth team that – we, I mean, went down to College Station and weren't ready for that fight. We we took it took that that punch and and we weren't able to close out with the final, uh, you know, round ten uh, punch to the chin. Like it just, you know, it is what it is. The, the, I'm, I'm again, that's why we had that mindset leaving College Station because we knew that that was a legitimate learning opportunity for this group because we saw what desperation looked like. And if you don't have that, then they're going to bring it to you and you're going to lose like that. 
as you said, this is the time where everybody is desperate. And that's how games are. That's how you win six straight in March. Like that's how developing that mindset, you cannot just live and die by scoring 90 points a game. You have to be able to dig in and finish and close. And that's just something that they don't, you know, what happens if Aaron Bradshaw's shot doesn't fall in Gainesville? Like what happens? Do they have that resolve? Do they have that? Does it click for them? Like what, what does that look like? So you never want a loss to happen. But if you are going to lose, you want it to happen the way it did in College Station for them to kind of look at themselves in the mirror and say, yes, we're good. We're elite. I mean, we have the highest ceiling in college basketball, and I don't know if anybody could even come close to that. But we can also get beat by anybody in college basketball if we don't do this, 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 and this. So I'm glad they put forth another performance to kind of build some internal confidence while also putting some stuff on film to say, if we don't get this stuff straight, we could lose to anybody. And uh, I, you, I thought the mentality was where it needed to be uh, against Mississippi State. I, I thought they came out a couple early defensive lapses, as you said, left, left, left some shooters op open. But I thought when they really dug their heels in, it was never a com competition for the rest of the way. Like I, th I think it was uh, exactly the type of response that you look for after a loss in, in that in that way. And I, I think, you know, we haven't we've gone this entire show and haven't even mentioned Antonio Reeves' name. And he goes for again 27 points, eight of 12 shooting, nine of nine from the free throw line with four rebounds, three assists uh in, in 30 minutes. Sean, at what point do we acknowledge that Antonio Reeves is a legitimate SEC player of the year and all American candidate? I mean I feel like he, because he's so quiet and how he goes about his business to score at the level that he does, that it kind of gets overlooked because it's not as flashy, that it's not as, you know, razzle dazzle. Like Rob Dillingham's highlights probably on paper, on a YouTube clip, look better than what Antonio's clips are look like. But when you put it together, 19.4 points per game on 52% shooting, Sean, 43% from three and 87% of the line. I mean, he's almost in the 50, 40, 90 club at 20 points per game. I, I mean, his game has expanded in ways that I didn't think were possible. I mean, he has, he has legitimately taken a, a real step forward where it didn't make sense for him to look at the pro route this past draft cycle. Like we watched him and said, there's not enough in his bag to justify him as a legitimate lottery pick. He was a, he, he was a pure catch and shoot three point specialist. And those are a dime of a dime a dozen in the NBA. He is putting together a legitimate NBA conversation that every time I watch him play, I go, that's a pro that's a professional bucket getter that will translate to the next level. And I'm rooting for him. I want I want him to get drafted. And I think he has put enough stuff together this year to indicate that he has a path to the NBA. And I am really, really rooting for him to do that. But I want him to lead Kentucky to a national championship first. I, I'm, I'm really enjoying this experience with Antonio Reeves right now. And we had some bold predictions, you know, back in leading up to the season. I think we talked about it on here. I know I brought up once that, he would lead the league in scoring. I mean, he's he's right there at the top of it, but it's the way he's doing it too. And and I know the Kansas game early season was a very inefficient game for him. Three three of seventeen from three that'll do it to you. But since then, 
it's a guy there for a couple of games that didn't take a lot of threes. I think he maybe had a couple of games where he attempted two or three threes and, you know, had some people asking me like, why is he trying to drive the ball? Why is he trying to drive it? Why, why is he not shooting six, seven, eight threes a game? Well, I think he was working on being more of a complete scorer and showing some of that at the rim, showing some mid-range game. Now it's a Euro step that he's, that he's doing and getting in there and finishing the ball while still shooting it at a clip that is just ridiculous. Hitting free throws, hitting threes. His, the thing about him now is it's the efficiency when you look at what he's doing. Like even the game at Florida, I believe, where there was a stretch there where his three-point percentage, I believe it was Florida game, might have been one. Some, it's, it's been a recent one. I have to go look. Three-point line wasn't great, but his overall efficiency from two, it became a very efficient night for him. And it's not a live and die by three anymore for him. Like he's able to, to get his, but the, the thing about Antonio Reeves that stands out to me is his rebounding. His rebounding has gone to another level. Like there are player props now for Antonio Reeves rebounding. Like he's rebounding the ball at a career best right now. And that is something, an area of his game with his size that has really stood out to me that has probably been one of the biggest improvements in his game is that along with the scoring, the three point shooting, the efficiency, he's not Kentucky's best player. My goodness. He, he's probably one of the, he's the one that can get hot and can really do a lot of damage in a hurry. But this is what makes sense, Jack. It's the pieces that he's surrounded by. This is where life is. It makes it easier when you fit with what's beside you. It's hard to put a ton of attention on him because you got Rob Dillingham, Reed Shepard, DJ Wagner, all these other guys that can get loose on you. That then, if you start paying too much attention to them, this guy can hang three threes on you in the opening segment segment of a game. We saw that over the weekend. That's a weapon, and it's an experienced weapon who, to me, has taken everything that has been thrown his way and is doing everything that he needs to do for this team to win while also bettering himself and his vision for what his future looks like. This has been a win-win for coming back to Kentucky. And now that we're here and we can acknowledge the growth that Antonio has made and the efficiency and the fact that he is a legitimate NBA talent now and has made the jump that we all hoped that he would have, I, I want to kind of give some insight into um, the, his decision and how we got here and how he ended up coming back. Um, I was told that, and again, I was pretty clear through this process that Antonio was concerned about the number of freshmen coming in and the loyalty that Cal has shown in the past to the darling, the 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 blue chip darlings that come in and um, have a five star next to their name, and you you ride them and lean on them and lean on them and lean on them. Well, when you have so many of them, it it makes sense why Antonio would be a little skittish uh, of that and, th and thinking, okay, if I was already not a go-to guy here in year one where the call a spade a spade, it was not the same blue chip young talent that we have this year. What will that look like when Cal is riding the DJ Wagner's and Reed Shepherds and Rob Dillingham's and uh, Aaron Bradshaw's with, you know, that was right in the midst of all the conversation about Aaron Bradshaw and the people around him looking for a specific role and style of play and things like that. I do not blame Antonio Reeves for being concerned about what his role looked like, but it was my understanding on Kentucky side that, 
they responded and, and had some people reach out and, and there, there were some conversations with people in the professional basketball world that, you know, reached out to Antonio and the people around him and said, look, I'm here to tell you right now, you're a good player. You have a lot to your game. We like you. But if you have that mindset of being scared of some 18 and 19 year olds, this is not your league. You will never make it in the NBA if you're scared of some little old freshman. You better go figure it out. You're not an NBA player right now. Go become one at the best platform to become one alongside other elite NBA level talent. Go separate yourself and prove to us why you belong in the NBA. There were some hard conversations that I think it kind of result, you know, it it kind of taken aback by the reality of that situation of maybe he wasn't what they hoped and thought he was going into it. So I, I appreciate that there were some hard conversations with Antonio about it, you know, just a realization of maybe I'm not there yet. And I thought I was, that's a tough, that's a tough thing, a tough pill to swallow, but for him to respond with that and then become a 50, 40, 90 player averaging 20 points a game and a legitimate All-American and SEC player of the year candidate. That's how he has done everything that the NBA asked him to do to prove why he belongs in the conversation. So now on the flip side, it's time to give Antonio Reeves the roses that he deserves because he took that conversation and didn't go, man, forget y'all. I'm, I, I, you know, you, you guys are wrong. He took that information, that Intel from the NBA and said, Gotcha. I'll I'll figure this out and I will respond the way you guys want me to. And now he's one of the best scorers in college basketball and a legitimate All-American candidate. That's really, really cool. Uh, and I, I got to give him props, man. That's a it's a it's well deserved that the hard work has absolutely paid off for him. And there's something to be said about doing it on a good team, too. Like when you're on a good team, more eyes are on you, obviously. Because more team, more people are talking about what things, you know, what's going right. And, you know, last year he scored the ball and a lot weighed on him. Like a lot depended on how Antonio Reeves shot the basketball a year ago. This is a Kentucky team now that can overcome an off three shooting night by Reeves. Or like a game against North Carolina where he didn't score 15, 16, 19, 20 points. And they still beat who looks like one of the best four or five teams in college basketball at the moment without a crazy scoring night from Antonio. That's not only good for the team, but it's also good for Reeves as well. Because then you don't have the weight of the world on your shoulders right now. You're just going out and you're playing to your strengths. You're not trying to do too much. He is a better overall player. And I, I said this going into the Louisville game, or after the Louisville game, when we were talking about his, his huge night, that he is a completely better player right now than what he was a year ago at this time. That is very hard for veteran players to do because once you get to a certain point in this game collegiately, and you and especially like guys that aren't one and dones or aren't guys that get in the league by the before they're 20 years old, like the, the the curve there, and I'm not sure you know how the league views these guys like Trey Mitchell or Antonio Reese, but I think that they have perfected their role and the things that the league looks for, especially today, being able to shoot the ball. Trey Mitchell's floor vision and stretching the floor out at his spot. These are veteran players that have come to Kentucky and gotten better and put themselves in better positions to become a professional basketball player. That 
is a huge step in the right direction for recruiting the transfer portal. If you can go get one of these transfers drafted, or maybe not just drafted, but in the league, and they have a spot in the league, then I think that that allows you to recruit the portal even more efficiently and effectively because then you can actually sell or come to Kentucky. I can still get you there. Maybe you're not a lottery pick because most guys that are in college basketball for four years aren't lottery picks. I can still find you a way to get to the league and be a player in that league while also recruiting the high school game and getting lottery picks and developing first-round picks. There is a there's a perfect world here, Jack, where all this thing works together, and I think we're seeing it kind of develop right now where all of it's coming together and, and what Kentucky wants to do. And I think Cal's going to have a lot to pitch moving forward in recruiting because those two seniors are getting better and have gotten better and are the best version they've ever been in their college basketball careers. And I believe the last time I checked, um, Trey Mitchell is actually in the ESPN best available list of of draft talent. I, I'm going to check the what the updated number looks like. But last time I checked, he was number 70 overall. So he might still be uh, in that. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, so Big Z is at 70 now. Ugo is at 58, which is pretty in, 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 uh, impressive. And Trey Mitchell's at 77 right now. So he's in the ballpark. He's at least getting noticed by the people that matter that are involved in these decisions because this is based on intel and what you know the, the latest vibe is with that and i think that's all a guy like trey mitchell looks for just put me in the conversation let me catapult my own status on the platform on the, this this type of platform like let me use this platform to be able to prove when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply myself that I can he's always going to be a six eight six nine under the basket big like that that's I mean that's that's who he is and that's what his long-term pro outlook looks like which is not a lottery pick but the things he does he does better than most and he is able to prove that as you talked about in comparison with with Antonio Reeves on a good team he's doing it alongside elite talent and separating himself among even like an Aaron Bradshaw and an Ugo and and you know he's in where it could have been easy for Aaron to just catapult and in and skyrocket Ugo to skyrocket Z to get declared eligible and skyrocket it would have been really easy for him to not be the player that can you know Kentucky needed out of Trey Mitchell and he's become their most valuable you know for my money their most valuable piece on in the entire uh, on the entire roster so that that's all these guys ask for. And I agree. I think it's going to be a huge recruiting tool moving forward with guys like Trey Mitchell and Antonio Reeves moving forward. If they can get a, I want to say drafted. Cause I do think Antonio Reeves will be drafted. Trey's going to be right on the, on the line there, but if they can make a roster or at least get a, a, a an NBA deal that 
make you know makes all of this worth it up to this point. I mean, that the, the the recruiting pitch is going to write itself. And and if if Cal continues to recruit the Jaden Quaintances and Boogie Flans of the world, while adding one or two here or there that the the key pieces that he needs out of the portal, I mean, the system the system is there. Like this this is Cal has, has gotten the recipe that he needs with young talent mixed with guys that fit the mold of what he's looking for. Uh, so th- this is exciting. I mean, it really is long-term, not just what we're seeing out of this team, but what it means for next year and beyond. So, yes, stick with me right here because I'm going to run through Antonio Reeves' stats and compare them this year to last year. So minutes per game this year, Jack, is up to 30.3. He was 27.9 a year ago. Field goal percentage is up 51.7% to 41.6. Three-point percentage, 42.6 to 39.8. Free throw percentage, 86.9 to 78.3. Rebounds, 4.4 to 2.1. Assist, 1.5 to 1.1. Even blocks is up 0.3 to 0.2. Steals, 0.5, 0.4. Turnovers down 1.2 to 1.5 a year ago. Points, 19.4 to 14.4. Better in every single area of the game. And if you go to Trey Mitchell's numbers, you find the exact same stuff. You find career best numbers in assists. You find in turnovers. Turnovers are down. Like that was an area that he struggled with at, at every stop. That's what I'm saying. Like you come to Kentucky here, and this is a guy in Antonio Reeves that, that didn't see a path at first. He didn't see a path with all this talent coming in, with Rob Dillingham, with Reed Shepard, with DJ Wagner. Like we, we know that there were questions and concerns there. But playing alongside that in an environment where there are better players on this Kentucky roster than they were a year ago, he has taken his game level and improved it in every single area. It's worked out. And that's that's a pretty big deal. You don't see players at this stage of their career, Jack, become better versions of themselves. That doesn't happen much in this game. Like coming back for another year of college basketball doesn't always work out for guys at this age in their stage of their career. Shoot, look what happened and, to Oscar. Yeah, and if and numbers go down in, in, in efficiency-wise. But his have gone up in all areas, and some of them have doubled. Like, that's that's a big deal. But when you're playing with better players, you become a better basketball player yourself. And he is playing with a roster that did his proof is in the numbers and proof is in the tape. These guys make each other better just by being present. If you remove a couple of these guys from this roster, this team, these guys, the stats, they they look worse for some. But because they're there, there is no pressure on anyone on this roster right now because they have so much together that it relieves it all. They absorb the pressure as a unit, not as an individual. And that is probably the strongest thing. I was trying to compare this team to some other John Calipari Kentucky teams this morning with someone, and we couldn't really figure it out just because – it's not to the level of 2014, 2015, where the 38 and one. We know that, that that's not that that was just a really wild stretch of basketball that they even were able to get to that point. It's not Anthony Davis in 2012, just dominance with with block shots and the things that they did. But when you look at it and how complete this team is and with the depth of it, blow for blow, like this is one of the best teams that he's had at Kentucky because of the offensive punch that it has but the depth that it has as well and the depth of talent that it, that this team has. Like, this is a team 
that if they can go on their NCAA tournament run and go there, I'm interested to see how we put them in the, the view of the other teams that have played at Kentucky. Because right now, the story is still being written. But this team has – I have more confidence in what this team can do in the NCAA tournament than maybe I've had in seven, eight years because of the ability to score the basketball and shoot the ball. And offense comes from so many different places. Okay. Yeah, you you trust anybody. I mean, you you it doesn't, and that's why I appreciated Cal saying what he did. It does not matter who our five is on the on the floor. We're gonna score. We're gonna. It's we're not gonna get bogged down. The proof is in the pudding. We now have a half season sample size to back that up. That there isn't. I mean, we've played three top ten defenses this season: North Carolina, Kansas, uh, and Mississippi State. Kentucky scored 84 plus against all all three of them. Like I mean it the, the proof is in the pudding and now we can now focus on okay check we, we we check that box. What does everything else look like? Can they rebound at a level that is a championship contender? Can they put together 40 minutes of consistent defense to be a championship contender because Offense is figured out like that. That that ain't gonna change. There's I I don't envision a scenario now where we look at it and go, "What the hell happened to the offense?" Like that's the product. Now it's about making sure the other nitpicky details of the the rest of the product lives up to the hype that the offense is. And and you know, I, I thought I thought Mississippi State was a very good step in the right direction. So um, it was. It's, and it's in def- and defensively, I thought it was a step in the right direction as well. And it's not going to take just one good defensive effort to kind of overcome some Ken Palm numbers and things like it. When you're doing adjusted D and you're talking per 100 possessions, like a lot of numbers and a lot of outcomes and stuff go into that. Like that's a lot of, that's a huge sample size. So not one game is not going to make a massive swing, but I thought team defense was significantly better last night. I thought help defense was better on possessions where all five guys are aware of what they're doing and they're all communicating Kentucky, I mean, it's not it's not rocket science here. Like that's when they're at their best, when they're missing out and they're able to get out of scrambles. Now, they put themselves in some situations at times where I'm like, what in the world? Like with with one breakdown and then they're they're it's kind of chaos from there on out. But for the most part, I thought last night was more of a disciplined approach to the to the defensive end. I thought they were very attentive to what they wanted to do in ball screen coverage. Ball pressure was better. I thought they were disruptive, but doing it you know, fundamentally and disciplined doing it. And that to me, that's like the start to the second half. It's almost like they kind of got bored a moment where they just had the run through the first half and they start the second half a little loose, a little flat. Cal was waiting and waiting and not wanting to take that time out because he didn't want to play the final 18, which is two. I get that. But when it nine, I told you, I said, probably should take one right here. And then they went to Spain action and didn't get what they wanted out of it. And then Mississippi State goes and hits a three. Now it's a six-point game. That's a moment where Cal probably wishes he would have taken one sooner. But I still think that there was something to do with let him play through it and figure it out, and he was trying to. But for the most part, it was a total beatdown from start to finish. And I said it last night, and I'm going to continue to say it. Reed Shepard is the best transition passer in all of college basketball. The pass that he made to Antonio Reeves full length of the floor, dropped it in a pocket like a wide receiver running for a touchdown. It was one of the best passes you'll see all year in college basketball. And then Kentucky makes the uh, the extra advanced pass, the one pass to get offense initiated in transition. Rob did it once to read last night. 
and then Reed throws a skip past Antonio Reese for a three. Instant pressure on you defensively from the three-point line in the rim. No team in college basketball does it better than Kentucky. Filthy. Very, very, very filthy. I, I enjoy it thoroughly. Um, we also got some kind of mini updates on Big Z, and I do want to talk about that because I have been working the phones and trying to get to the bottom of this and finding clarity as um, Stephen is actually in Indianapolis at the billboard and trying to talk to the NCAA looking for some clarity on his end. So he's actually like knocking on doors and trying to get to the bottom of it. So shout out Stephen. He's, 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 he's for the, uh, for the brand. He, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, his, his efforts to get to the bottom of this, but on while he's uh, knocking on doors, I um, wanted to at least have some type of answer on, on Z. Um, so hold that thought. We're going to, talk about that to wrap up the show but before that conference college basketball season is tipped off plus you have the nba and the nfl joined FanDuel, america's number one sports book right now new customers get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a five dollar bet that's 150 bucks in bonus bets win or lose the app is so easy to use and there are so many different ways to bet like live same game parlays find bets in the new explore tab make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Pilgrim and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL 21 and older and present in Kentucky. First online real money wager, only $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets, which expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Uh, Sean, we just have a couple minutes here, so I want to... Uh, go through some of this quickly uh, because Cal for the first time kind of stepped up and said it's time to get aggressive on finding clarity with with Big Z and getting an answer for him. We are now 16 games in, into the regular season and have not heard an official word from the NCAA on whether he's good to go or not. Um, it's my understanding that um, – get aggressive quote unquote is um is a lawsuit that it, it would mean um going that route to try to expedite the process because that is how um nationally the the other international players that we've seen to be declared eligible by the NCAA that's been the path that they've been going down so um it's my understanding that that is what it would take for us to get the ball rolling. And that's what when Cal says that it may be time to uh, get aggressive the longer this takes, that is what he has in mind. Um, now, how we got to this point and whether or not we even have an answer from the NCAA as of yet, um, though you, depending on who you talk to, those answers differ. Uh, there are some people that blame the NCAA and saying that it's they have all the information they need to make a decision one way or the other. Cause it's also my understanding that Kentucky can't really move forward with any type of lawsuit b before they get a tangible answer from the NCAA to decide one way or the other, Hey, we need to fight this. And if we're going to fight it, fight it, it's going to be legally. So um, some people are blaming the NCAA saying, come on, we, what, what, what more do you need to know? You have all the answers um, handed to you make a decision so we can go forward one way or the other. There are other people that um, blame Kentucky and blame Mitch Barnhart and the people uh, in the upper levels of, of 
the university for not moving forward with this and not helping earlier. And there are people within that basketball department that feel that they are uh, a little bit on an island, if you will, and and not getting the help from up top that it feels that Big Z needs. It has nothing to do with, you know, if Cal has a, you know, feeling some type of way about Mitch or Mitch feeling some type of way about Cal or individual bickering or feuding or whatever, none of that matters because it's about a 20-year-old kid that is 15 hours away from home who made this decision to come to the United States and play for the University of Kentucky, and he is not getting that opportunity handed to him because of other adults in the room not moving forward in ways that benefit the kid. It's all, it, it is always about the kid first and foremost and making sure that, you know, individual bickering and, and whatever is, isn't the, the, the main cause, the main priority here, make sure we are prioritizing what needs to be prioritized. And that's the kid. The student athletes are the 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 baseline of this of this university. the 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 dollars aren't made by the school. The basketball program isn't what it is without the student athlete and the 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 kid himself. So, I think there's a lot of kind of the back and forth about p- finger pointing and who blames who and wh- who's at fault here. Well, if the basketball department had had th- done their due diligence to make sure that all the paperwork and everything was in in a timely manner, then we wouldn't be here. Well, if you would have admitted him earlier than you did, then we could have done the paperwork or like it's become like a chicken or the egg thing about who's to blame. And at the end of the day, none of it matters because big Z is now 16 games into his regular season still has, has no idea what to do. Um, so I think the grownups in the room need to come together and talk like grownups and, um, realize that this is bigger than them and that this is about a kid and what his future looks like as a, as a student athlete and as a, as a basketball player. Um, and I think the only that the, the, the way this is trending is that the NCAA and, and I also was told that um, they're nearing a decision to at least kind of part of the reason why they hadn't moved forward with a lawsuit and going that path is because there was kind of some internal hope that, they could the NCAA would make a decision and we wouldn't have to get to this point where it did go to court and deal with you know that that type of paperwork. So um it's my understanding that if the NCAA makes a decision anytime soon, it's probably leaning toward a no for Z, but a lawsuit that would have to be initiated by Mitch Barnhart and the upper level at, at UK would be able to get him declared eligible ultimately because that's how all these other kids have been have been declared eligible. So um, I think the ball is rolling and we're, we're, we're making actual progress and it might result in a minor setback initially. That does look like yet another Enos Cantor situation where he is initially declared ineligible, but that would mean the ball would be in Mitch Barnhart's court to make that executive decision to um, file a lawsuit and, and make the steps forward. And I, and I've been told it's been kind of a, back and forth about whether or not he would be willing to do that considering his ties with the NCAA and being on the different committees and those sorts of things. It's complicated, but um, I'm heard he's not, uh, he's not opposed to it. It's not something that's like all the way in motion, but they have kind of gathered what a baseline of a lawsuit would look like to kind of make those steps forward. So I know it was a long drawn out way of saying 
no answer yet, but we're close. But at least this kid should be getting some type of clarity at some point. And it might initially look like bad news, but um, I would not rule out a, a lawsuit to, to kind of bring this up and, and um, really try to fight for this kid. When Cal says he wants to get aggressive, I think that's what that looks like. And we'll see if uh, Mitch moves forward with it. We, we did his commitment episode on August 1st. And you remember that morning, very, very, very early. And here we are in late January, Jack, and, and we still don't have anything on Big Z and, and his eligibility and, and him being out there on the floor. That's frustrating because there's been plenty of time to, to get something taken care of and, and get – and then and Kentucky finishes up a big win last night against a quality opponent. And the last thing John Calipari says in his press conference as he walks off the table was what do what's right for the kid. He ended a press conference talking about Big Z, which, you know, was asked about it. But him talking about it, I thought that was the perfect way to end last night, was just that he's – it's not even about how he helps this team. But we don't know yet because we haven't got to see him. It's – the main thing here is about what's best for Z. And Z has made a commitment. You and I were sitting there laughing about his energy and stuff on the bench and, and stuff last night and smiling just how involved and engaged he is with the team and things, and you can tell that he enjoys being here. Cal knows that. Cal sees that. And at the end of the day, Cal wants to do what's best for him. And what's best for him is getting something set but giving him what he deserves, and that is eligible, college basketball eligibility. There is no reason for this to be late and us still sitting here wondering what's going on or what's going to happen. Whether he helps this team or he doesn't help this team this season – it's about doing what's right and what's right for him. And that's the point we've reached. And, and I think you're spot on with how aggressive that Cal can get with this. And that that probably is right in line with, with this. Like, no more sitting on our hands, no more waiting. Let's let's force the issue here and get something. Let's let's fight for him. And and I Cal's doing that. And I think Cal's been doing that the whole time. Yeah, I think everybody involved could have handled different parts of the process better. This is a first. Again, the the, the last example was Enos Cantor, who had his own cert, set of circumstances, and that obviously didn't work out in Kentucky's favor. But this different, is different new. time in college basketball, too. A decade NIL, ago. Yes. Yep. So that that's Cal's argument. We're in the NIL era. Why are we penny pinching over? little tiny details here or there were things could, could Z have done things differently at various points? Yes. Could Cal and his staff in the basketball department done things differently at various points? Yes. Could Mitch in the school admissions compliance, everybody on that side, could they have done something different? Yes. Yes. Could the NCAA just grow up and say, we're dealing with the wild, wild West here where there are kids making hundreds of thousands of dollars upon millions why the hell am I worrying about one kid at the University of Kentucky and whether or not he may have made a couple hundred bucks, even if Cal's three hundred, four hundred dollars is hyperbole in the low on the low end, whatever. It, none of it matters. We are above that as a college basketball and just collegiate athletics in general. In the NIL era, none of that matters. At the end of the day, this is a kid that made the decision to come to the University of Kentucky hoping for a better education. He's a 3.2 GPA student athlete. He is 
checked every box necessary and asked of him as a teammate, as a as a person, as a leader, as a student. He has done everything in his power to do this process the right way. Let him decide his future, what it looks like. Let him, if if he's a great basketball player, let him show that. If it's not a fit on the court, let him be the deciding factor there. Don't make that decision for him. He has done everything the right way up to this point in terms of being patient, letting the process and seeing it through. Reward him with a chance. That's all anybody is asking. Stop pointing fingers. Stop worrying about whose fault and who's to blame here and why this should have been done back in the day, how many months delayed we are and whether compliance could have done this. or n- None of it matters. Clear the kid. Let him decide whether he's going to be a successful basketball player on and off the floor at the University of Kentucky, and let that be that. We're halfway through the year, 16 games of a suspension, if that's what the NCAA sees in in their eyes, whatever. All of this stuff counts, and I hope that they see that and recognize the adversities he had to overcome to get here and uh, reward him with a chance because that's all um, anybody deserves. So I'm rooting for Big Z. I think – um, the ball's rolling and we're getting some type of movement. Uh, I don't know how quickly it's going to unfold, but um, it's going to be kind of a domino effect of once the first set of news happens, then we can start getting getting to what a lawsuit would look like, how long that turnaround would look like. But um, that's where we are. It's 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 a process. It's been a frustrating one, but I'm glad that we're the kids should be getting some type of answer at some point soon. Do it for the kid. Let's get this kid eligible and let's move forward. Sean, this has been a, a fun one. I appreciate you coming on. Fun win. Glad we got back in the win column. Momentum back in Kentucky's favor after a frustrating end of uh, game down in, in College Station. Now we can kind of work on building some momentum. I, I said this on the rapid reaction. 1-2 to start the year, then lost lost a third. 1-4 four, four, four straight, then lost the next. 1-6 straight, then lost the next. Why not go 8 straight before our next loss? And then after that, Let's just go 10. Let's just keep going in this even increment. And uh, by by year's end, hopefully it results in a, uh, in a in a championship finish. So I'm feeling good about this team and glad we can continue to talk about it here on Sources Say. And Georgia, I think, coming in here winning 11 of its last 12. So there you go. that's a team that, that's, that's on a heater too and probably feels like they should have won 12 of 12. They mm-hmm. probably feel like they shouldn't have given that game to take away. But it's going to be a big game. Saturday at Rupp Arena, we'll we'll take you up to it and we'll get you through it and we'll talk about it and just continue stacking wins together in league play. It's an unforgiving league. You got a chance to to get out to a four and one start here in the league with a win at, against Georgia on Saturday. So we'll see exactly what happens. Let's make it happen, uh, Sean. Where can fans find your work? You can follow me on Twitter at GBB Country. Find me on Twitter as well, at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Go subscribe to KSR+. Plus. We're having a blast over there. All the stuff we talked about today on Big Z is already on the board. So conversation is is uh, well underway there. So make sure you go subscribe. Uh, premium content is coming out and in full force. We're having a blast. The community is building uh, very, very quickly, and we're having a lot of fun with it. So make sure you do that. Subscribe to this YouTube page. If you have not, like, subscribe, all that fun stuff. We will be back. I believe Sunday for another Jam Packed Sources Say podcast. We will see you then. There's a noise on the horizon. 
It's right above the Rupparita floor. Laying for the Wildcat men basketball and making fans scream once more. It's basketball time in Kentucky and the Wildcat fans are excited, you see. This Wildcat named the Thundercat and Wildcat fans are ready to explode. They are the Thundercats. They're Kentucky's team. They're full of flame, fire in their soul. They're an exciting team to watch. When our nine college men's basketball champs visit their goal, they have the dream. They are Kentucky's team. They are the Thunder. 